0: This is CNN Breaking News.
1: Hello, I'm Julia Chastley, continuing our breaking news coverage of the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Though he's not done yet, he said earlier he intends to remain in the job until a replacement is chosen in the autumn. In a statement to the country from outside number 10 Downing Street, he said it was his job and his duty to continue to do what he promised back in 2019. But after 59 ministers of his government resigned following a string of embarrassing scandals, his position was untenable and he had to go.
2: Thank you. It is clearly now the will of the parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, That the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. So I want to say to the millions of people who voted for us in 2019, many of them voting Conservative for the first time, thank you for that incredible mandate, the biggest Conservative majority since 1987. The biggest share of the vote since 1979. And the reason I have fought so hard in the last few days to continue to deliver that mandate in person was not just because I wanted to do so, but because I felt it was my job, my duty, my obligation to you to continue to do what we promised in 2019. And of course, I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent for over half a century, uh, reclaiming the power for this country to make its own laws in Parliament, getting us all through the pandemic, delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, the fastest exit from lockdown and, in the last few months, leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression in Ukraine. And let me say now, To the people of Ukraine that I know that we in the UK will continue to back your fight for freedom for as long as it takes. And at the same time in this country, we've been pushing forward a vast program of investment in infrastructure and skills and technology. The biggest in a century, because if I have one insight into human beings, it is that genius and talent and enthusiasm and imagination are evenly distributed throughout the population but opportunity is not and that's why we must keep leveling up keep unleashing the potential of every part of the United Kingdom and if we can do that in this country we will be the most prosperous in Europe and in the last few days I've tried to persuade my colleagues that it would be eccentric to change governments when we're delivering so much and when we have such a vast mandate and when we're actually only a handful of points behind in the polls, even in mid-term after quite a few months of pretty relentless sledging and when the economic scene is so difficult domestically and internationally. And I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments. And, of course, it's painful not to be able to see through so many ideas and and projects myself. But as we've seen uh, at Westminster, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves... It moves. And, my friends, in politics, no-one is remotely indispensable. And our brilliant and Darwinian system will produce another leader equally committed to taking this country forward through tough times, not just helping families to get through it, but changing and improving the way we do things, cutting burdens on businesses and families, and, yes, cutting taxes, because that is the way to generate the growth and the income we need to pay for great public services. And to that new leader, I say, whoever he or she may be, I say I will give you as much support as I can. And to you, the British public, I know that there will be many people who are relieved, and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up The best job in the world.
1: And Labour leader Keir Starmer said Johnson's departure is good news for the country and that the Prime Minister was responsible for, in his words, lies, scandal and fraud on an industrial scale and that Johnson needs to go now. He needs
3: to go. He can't cling on in this way. His own party have finally concluded that he's unfit to be Prime Minister. They can't now inflicting... On the country for the next few months. It's obvious he's unfit to be Prime Minister. That's been blindingly obvious for a very, very long time.
1: And Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says the possibility of Johnson staying on as Prime Minister until the autumn is far from ideal. CNN, of course, covering all the angles for you. And we begin with Max Foster and Bianca Nabilo in Westminster. Guys, nothing about that to me said finale in that speech. Can he continue to defy political gravity even just? as an interim prime minister. That's the question.
4: Bianca. <laughs> that the question. Max. Well, the, the tide has turned, so his members of parliament, his cabinet, will not suffer him hanging on anymore. I think there was a grave concern in the party that was developing over the morning and last evening, that even if he did resign, Seeing his defiance and his buoyancy as he was declaring last night, that Boris Johnson might try and press ahead with quite an instrumental and effective agenda in the time that he would stay on as Prime Minister. We were hearing about economic policy announcements, appointing new members to the Cabinet, to his government, and there was frustration about that because this is not a normal circumstance of a Prime Minister's departure. There is concern that Boris Johnson might try and regain and reshape as much of his legacy as humanly possible. But what we're seeing here is a very confused process because of the personality of the man, but also the fact that the Conservatives knew that they wanted to get rid of Boris Johnson, by and large. But what they didn't have is a plan for what would come after. Very different from back in 2019, when Theresa May was ousted, there were very obvious leadership contenders waiting in the wings, and quite clear policy agendas for both of them
1: here is he was the answer for the party to the sclerotic dislocations, the the divisions within the party, also within the country, Bianca, to your point on what the country was going through with Brexit and the indecision over that, too. Um, He managed to gel over the cracks to tie them together for for better or worse at that point. Do they need someone similar? Because part of that was about uh, personality. Part of that was about sheer politics and political will at that point. Do they need somebody like that at this moment or somebody very different? Because I think as they're trying to work out who the next leader is, that has to be part of the calculation too. Max.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the the big issue with the alternative leader is that Boris Johnson was this powerful, charismatic figure, very well-known and a very good campaigner, and there aren't any obvious contenders in that sense, and that's why, partly, he stayed in power for so long so the best known figure is probably Rishi Sunak and he had fundamental policy differences with Boris Johnson uh, as you've been reporting on over the previous months you know he wanted to keep taxes where they were he was very well aware of the state of the public finances and the huge amount of debt and you can't keep reducing taxes but the backbenchers want reduced taxes because that's what the Conservative Party is all about and Boris Johnson uh, shared that view as well So it's going to be an interesting period, this interim, until we get to uh, the new leader, because Boris Johnson, basically, um, is more free than he was before. So things like reducing taxes, he's more able to do, arguably. And there are a few other things as well. So I think, uh, speaking to backbench MPs, what they're looking at, really, is trying to reduce the period. He's in power as much as possible. And it could potentially be, be reduced down to about, a month as they did with Theresa May Uh, we'll wait to see how that goes but Boris Johnson in a way is freed up for the next few weeks if he isn't diffed as the interim leader.
4: And, Julia, to your point about personality, I would note that the political pendulum often swings and you get this zigzag motion in politics whereupon. We had Theresa May and one of the main issues the Conservatives had with her was the lack of charisma, lack of campaigning ability, personality. So they chose Boris Johnson, somebody who epitomised the opposite of all of those traits. And I do wonder if there will be an appetite for a much more serious, stable contender, somebody who doesn't have any of Johnson's attributes, who can bring bring politics back to a more grown up or predictable place.
1: I think we need confidence. The country needs confidence and, and less of the drama in a sense mm. because I was just thinking Max as you were saying about the, the one month time if we can reduce it. One month is an incredibly long time in the face of the economic challenges in particular that the country faces and a a lessening of uh, economic confidence, of consumer confidence in, in particular. Bianca, we were just showing number 10 Downing Street and I, for many reasons, wonder what's going on behind closed doors now. And I watched you guys earlier when you were discussing the appointees that were being made, even as we were waiting for for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to come out. Do you think those that are being appointed now are agreeing under the uh, agreement, the knowledge that, look, okay, Prime Minister Boris Johnson was going to hang around, perhaps even until the autumn, however long this takes. So at least holding together a government in the interim, even if they're not perhaps the most competent, is a given at this stage. And then the other question for me here is the next leader. Do they even want to take over? Does somebody want to take over at this moment given the backdrop, given the challenges, given the inability to perhaps agree on what policy should look like at this moment, at a time of rising interest rates. There's so many calculations here and, and, and considerations for everyone involved.
3: Well, if you give it a chance to run as Prime Minister, you'll take it, won't well, you, right? Yeah, That's the... I would. <laughs> there you go. I'm That, going that going might to be, be people a that want look to run into sprint. the future. <laughs> I don't know. Watch that space. <laughs> I was looking was for opportunities to make or the
4: announcement. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> they, um, I think that what you, I think the problem that they've got now is this issue about tax. Actually because there's always a divide in the Conservative Party isn't there and it was traditionally pro-Europe, anti-Europe. Hopefully they resolve that. Now there is genuinely a big divide about whether or not taxes should be reduced because that's the tradition of the party. But, you know, the state of its finances, it can't handle it in a way. At some point they've got to pay off the debt.
4: Yeah, they do. And Julia, to your point about these um, ministerial appointments that are continuing and whether or not those ministers are doing that because they had confidence in Johnson, or I think more likely the fact that they feel a sense of responsibility because Mm. there is no member of parliament here who doesn't recognise the instability that the government's now facing. So plenty of the people I've spoken to would perhaps consider taking a role in this transition just because they feel a sense of duty and also they quite like to be a minister if given the opportunity and now they can do so without seeming like they're backing Johnson or putting their integrity on the line but by making the argument that if we don't populate these roles the government will cease to function and we have responsibility to the people of this nation to continue especially when the stakes are so high when there are so yes. many issues in the health and care sector and crucially the economy
3: are There are departments with only one minister at the moment, they literally can't function, as anchor says and um, there you know i was speaking to someone who's a very junior member of government he said he won't take up a job under Boris Johnson So that will be the test over today and tomorrow, won't it, whether or not all those more than 50, is it 50 jobs? Yeah, and
4: these 50 positions Whether they
3: can be filled. If they can't, they're going to have to revisit this idea of getting rid of Boris.
4: And I think that might be one of the reasons his speech was in tone more magnanimous, knowing that if he came out of the gate swinging and tried to really sell himself and his legacy too much, that may have dissuaded MPs from joining him in the interim. He had to show that he might be respectful of that transition to get people on side.
1: Yes, he's in the right prime, mind to remain an interim leader and be a responsible one at that. Uh, Bianca? Max, thank you so much for that. I'm going to leave you there for two seconds and introduce CNN's chief international anchor, Christian Amarpur, who joins us now. Christian, I know you've been watching the fallout of this all morning and commenting. Do you think Boris Johnson is in the right frame of mind and that the government recognises that some form of continuity in the short term is in the best interest of the country? Because that has to be paramount at this moment. It
5: doesn't seem to be the case. If you look mm. at the social media comments by Conservative Party mm. members, ministers, resigni- people who've resigned, people in still there. This whole idea that he wants to stay on is gaining a huge amount of of commentary on, on their sort of social media cha- uh, channels and a lot of question. I mean, essentially, it's a resignation without a departure date. It's yet again Boris Johnson n- showing, you know, just hubris. And his speech was full of it. It just did not... Show any sense that he understood that he had brought himself and the party and the country to this current moment. You know, this historian uh, Anthony Seldon, who I've been quoting all morning because I think it's really important, has commented that in 300 years of British history of 55 different prime ministers, none has gone down in such spectacular flames as Boris Johnson. And of course, it's all about his personal conduct and his personal inability to uh, have integrity, to be able to speak the truth, and uh... to be able to govern frankly and this is something very different to what we've seen uh, from previous prime ministers who've had to step down usually it's about policy and their policy differences, and whether we're talking about May, Cameron, and before that, Thatcher, and that's when the knives went in or when they decided that they could no longer stay. So, you know, I've been talking to, over the last few days, certainly to Conservative Party members, former ministers like Rory Stewart, who just laid out for the record exactly what has brought Boris Johnson to this point. All of them, as he put, amounts to a series of self-inflicted wounds and stepping so far out of the mainstream expectations of political leadership that this is what it's come to. Here's what he told me.
6: To run through the events, um, he prorogued parliament to try to drive through Brexit. In other words, try to shut the door of parliament. He expelled 21 members of his own party, including me, um, in because we tried to vote against him. That, again, is something that's almost never been done by a prime minister. That was the beginning of challenging the Constitution. He broke the ministerial code by lying to parliament. And then he tried to rewrite the ministerial code to say that one didn't need to resign if he lied to parliament. He tried to rewrite lobbying rules when one of his close friends was found breaking lobbying rules. He tried to abolish the committee to deal with them. He got illegal money from donors to wallpaper his flat. He tried to get another donor to spend 200,000 US dollars on building a tree house for him. Uh, he he presided over uh, extraordinary parties in Downing Street during a time when Britain had some of the most severe COVID lockdowns in the world. So people literally couldn't visit dying relatives in a hospital or attend funerals. It was a famous picture of the Queen sitting isolated at Prince Philip's funeral at a time when Boris was having glasses of wine in Downing Street. But most recently, he appointed as a deputy chief whip a man who he knew to have been uh, guilty of sexual assault earlier, who lost his job for sexual assault. He was warned repeatedly, and he appointed him.
5: And there you have it, uh, Julia. This is what has led to this moment, all of them, Particularly, as I said, self-inflicted and all to do with the issues of integrity, honesty, and then finally the ability to govern. Lost in all this debate is that he has even been unable to lead his party to by-election victories in the last several that have been held, and that is something that's considered fatal for a Conservative Party backing of its leader uh, and, and prime minister, and that is a huge, huge issue for the Conservative Party. Boris Johnson, to the end, even in his resignation, not so resignation, resignation speech, uh, said that he had a mandate and he really thought it was eccentric, that was his word, that the party thought that it was a good idea to, you know, to kick the government out now. Well, the mandate may have been true two years plus ago in the in, in, in 2019, but you have seen his personal polls plunge, his personal popularity plunge. Seven in 10 British adults think he should have resigned. Um, And you have seen the popularity of the party plunge as well, even though he tried to gloss that over in his speech. And he he forgets. I think he tries to I think he believes that it's like a presidential system. So it's all about him. It's my mandate. I did it. I did it. But in the British parliamentary system, it's about the uh, it's about the party. People vote for the party. And it's true he was always attractive on the doorstep. But that is obviously now waned and tarnished. And and he was the one, according to local election officials, who lost these local elections for those particular candidates.
1: That word caught my attention too, eccentric. I think some would argue that there's been plenty of eccentric behaviour on um, his part over the years, and including what we've seen over the last few months um, in particular too. Christian, I want to ask you about the international stage and the reaction, particularly from some of the, the G7 leaders perhaps. Um, eccentric would be perhaps one way that they would describe him as too, and a, and a handful in terms of dealing them, dealing with him. But I also wonder how Vladimir Putin is, is thinking and what he's thinking at this moment as he looks at a fallen UK prime minister, a challenged US president, a weakened Emmanuel Macron. I mean, it's not just about Boris Johnson. The political pressures for all of these leaders have been, in some cases, insurmountable and for others, pretty overwhelming.
5: Uh, let's just take it from the beginning. The word yeah. eccentric is his is his word. He actually broke the law. He was fined. He's the first ever British Prime Minister to have been censured for breaking the law. And this was over party gate. As you know, he was fined. He has also tried to break international law and the Brexit negotiations over the Northern Line of protocol. This is something that sticks in the craw, not only of the, of, 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 the EU, but also of the United States, who he's trying to have a, a, a much better and stronger and bigger global Britain deal with. They won't do it. If a Boris Johnson or his party breaks the law on Northern Ireland and therefore threatens the Good Friday peace accord. On the other issues, uh, Putin at the Kremlin has already spoken. They have said, we know he doesn't like us and we don't like him. And that's the way it is. They just don't like the fact that the entire West has been united over his illegal war in Ukraine, whether it's Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, Macron, Schultz, the entire West and NATO the EU have been united and strong and that is not going to change if Boris Johnson departs Britain's uh, support of Ukraine and its defense is not going to change that is a British government policy and it has bipartisan support cross-aisle support here in Parliament, and that is not going to change. So Boris Johnson claims, and and even today, let's be honest, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky called him a true friend of Ukraine, and he has stood up, he has gone to Kyiv, he has been very vocal in his defense of Ukraine. But remember, that is him voicing government policy. And that is not going to change for the Ukrainian people. I think it'll be very difficult for either the EU or the United States to enter any negotiations if Boris Johnson, in in any serious way, if Johnson is still caretaker, because he gets under their skin and under their rules and regulations when he's trying to get his way over the EU um, and then, of course, with the United States over an eventual free trade agreement. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, has said it's just not going to happen if he threatens the Good Friday peace accord. It's just not going to happen. Yes, huge issues and also huge issues for the next leader as well. Some complications,
1: many to come. Christian, great to chat to you. Thank you. Christian Amanpour there. OK, we're going to take a quick break here, but coming up, plenty of reaction to Boris Johnson's resignation as Prime Minister. Stay with us. More to come. Welcome back to CNN and our continuing coverage of the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the early hours of this morning, though continuing He believes, as Prime Minister of the country, in an interim role for the coming months as he waits for the party to choose a leader to succeed him. The question is, will that be allowed? Nada Bashir joins us now on this. Nada, this is the big question, and we will continue to ask this question. What is the party going to do? Are they going to accept him as an interim leader while they work out who next? Or is he going to be pushed?
7: Well, look, figuring out who the next leader will be, Julia, is going to be a lengthy process for the Conservative Party. Of course, we do expect that to take place over the coming weeks. We do know that the 1922 committee will be meeting next week on Monday, and it is expected that they will outline the potential timeline this. The Prime Minister, it seems still hopeful that he will be able to hold on uh, to power, to remain in place uh, for the time being until that new uh, leader is elected for the Conservative Party. But we've already heard uh, criticism from a number of MPs already and others uh, voicing concern over the potential for Boris Johnson to remain in that position uh, while a new leader is selected. Uh, Just actually in the last few moments we've heard from uh, the former Prime Minister John Major describing this as unwise. Let me just read you a little bit from his statement saying uh, the proposal for the Prime Minister to remain in office for up to three months Having lost the support of his cabinet, his government and his parliamentary party is unwise and maybe unsustainable. Now, that is the key here. There are serious concerns that the Prime Minister has, of course, now lost the support and trust uh, of not only his party, but also uh, some of his most senior cabinet ministers and allies, and also, of course, uh, by the electorate. We've seen in snap polling uh, that that trust in the government has gone down. Uh, Previously, uh, we saw that seven in ten rich adults believe that the Prime Minister uh, should have stepped down before obviously now we are seeing him leaving that post but you know if we are thinking about a prime minister that that could remain in place until perhaps even uh, the next party convention in october uh, that is a long time for boris johnson to still be sort of in that position without that support from his own cabinet ministers, not only those who resigned, uh, but also those who still remained in office and told the prime minister, quite frankly, that it was time to go, the game is up. Julia? Oh,
1: You know, Boris Johnson wrote an article back in May of 2010 when, when Gordon Brown was in a different, as always, but similar situation. And he asked, isn't there someone the Queen's private secretary, the nice policeman on the door of number 10, whose job it is to tell him that the game is up? And that's part of the challenge that he faces with this um, bombastic personality, too, in that we know he's stubborn, we know he's challenging, we know he has his firm views, even if he was more demure when he came out earlier. Um, the question is, will he remain or will the party be able to, um, to negotiate some form of um, kind exit and a replacement? You said it's a, it's a huge challenge here. How might the party respond, just in terms of confidence votes, How do the logistics work from here, outside of choosing the next party leader?
7: There might be a a call there for the Prime Minister to step down immediately uh, to remove from office to allow a separate caretaker uh, leader to take that place to oversee uh, the government for the coming months. Uh, Potentially, we've been hearing reports that they would like to have someone in uh, at least ahead of the summer recess. Uh, But, of course, there are still questions around who would take that position as the caretaker uh, leader of the Conservative Party. There is, of course, still uh, quite a lot of division within the party on various fronts, particularly when it comes uh, to policy. And there isn't a clear front-runner at this stage when it comes to who the Conservative Party will be able to unify around at least. There are some uh, key names which have stood out as potential uh, successors to Prime Minister Boris uh, Johnson but at this point there are still those divisions, those names will be debated uh, over the coming days and weeks. Uh, But we've also heard uh, from the opposition Labour Party leader Keir Starman saying that this isn't just a matter of getting rid of Boris Johnson but that there needs to be a complete overhaul uh, at 10 Downing Street, that this is time uh, for a general election. Now that is obviously uh, not the view of many of those in the Conservative Party who will be fearing, of course, that this has had a knock on effect, uh, not only in trust in the Prime Minister, but trust in the Conservative Party as a whole, uh, fears that they will not perform well, of course, uh, in a general election. That is something they'll be keen to avoid but of course uh, throughout this process we've seen this as really the latest challenge uh, against the conservative party as a whole and they have faced numerous challenges and scandals over the last few months which will certainly uh, see them perform perhaps not as well as they would hope in a general election. The question now, of course, is who would that next successor uh, be and how long can Boris Johnson hold on to his uh, position as uh, a remaining Prime Minister until a new leader is selected? Uh, That is the key question, but at this stage it remains uncertain. We'll wait to hear from the 1922 Committee next week as they set out that timeline uh, to uh, bring about a
1: new uh, leader of the Conservative Party. Yes. And one could point out that uh, for these situations, there is a di- deputy prime minister that could step into the role immediately because that's what they're there for. Hmm, we'll see. Nada, great to have you with us. Thank you. Nada Bashir there. OK, as so we were discussing earlier in Ukraine, President Vladimir Zelensky reacting to the resignation of Boris Johnson. He spoke to CNN's Wolf Blitzer.
3: He resigned not because he was in Ukraine. What Johnson was doing for Ukraine, he was a true friend of Ukraine. He totally supported Ukraine. And the UK, it's on the right side of history. I'm sure the policy towards Ukraine of the UK will not be changing. And our relationship obviously gained a lot from Boris Johnson's activities. Yes, we don't know if something will affect our unity. But first of all, we've got military support from the UK and that's been secured.
1: Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky there. We're back after this. Stay with CNN. Welcome back on a seismic day in British politics. Boris Johnson will step down as prime minister, forced out by his own party, following nearly 60 resignations from his government, which made his position simply untenable. Exactly when he's going, though, isn't clear as we speak. He says he will stay until a new leader is found. And that's a bone of contention among some of his Tory colleagues and for the opposition, too. In his statement outside Number 10 Downing Street, he laid out what he saw as his government's key achievements.
2: The reason I have fought so hard in the last few days to continue to deliver that mandate in person was not just because I wanted to do so, but because I felt it was my job... My duty, my obligation to you to continue to do what we promised in 2019. And of course, I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent for over half a century, uh, reclaiming the power for this country to make its own laws in parliament, getting us all through the pandemic, delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe the fastest exit from lockdown and, in the last few months, leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression in Ukraine.
1: He talked about his key achievements, of course, but also the key priorities that remain for the party. Now, the leader of the main opposition party has expressed disbelief that Johnson intends to keep going for weeks or even months. Keir Starmer says he should leave now.
3: He needs to go. He can't cling on in this way his own party have finally concluded that he's unfit to be prime minister they can't now inflicting on the country for the next few months it's obvious he's unfit to be prime minister that's been blindingly obvious for a very very long time
1: and conservative mp damian green joins us now sir great to have you on the show with us you agree with keir starmer he's clinging on to power and shouldn't
8: no, it's, it's what always happens. We've had uh, a succession of Prime Ministers uh, who've resigned between elections, Theresa May and David Cameron uh, before Boris Johnson, and the convention is that, that we in the Conservative Party elect a new leader. We do that by having uh, a session where the parliamentary party, the members of a Parliament in the Conservative Party, uh, whittle it down to two people and those two people go out to our members uh, around the country And and that whole procedure takes a couple of months maximum. Uh, So I think there's no reason why we shouldn't have a new prime minister in place by early September. And in the meantime, the the normal thing is for the existing prime minister to stay on uh, as a caretaker until that happens.
1: And you think that's the right decision for the country?
8: Yes, I think, I mean, if we had another uh, argument about, you know, who should take over as interim Prime Minister, that would just be an unnecessary distraction. I think the trick is to make sure that we we do this uh, procedure um, as fast as we can, consonant with it being, being fair and democratic. And as I say, given that we've got a couple of weeks of uh, Parliament left before we have the summer recess, uh, the MP section can easily be done uh, in that time, and then we can have five, six weeks or so of our members in the country looking at both the candidates that come out from that uh, and and voting for the next Prime Minister.
1: Damien, are there enough people that are willing to step into this government now and not consider themselves being tainted even by an interim Prime Minister Boris Johnson? Will there be enough continuity in the government in order to continue even if it is only for the next five or six weeks? Best case...
8: Well there are, I mean they've already appointed uh, five or six people so the cabinet is now uh, fully occupied and they, you know, clearly there were, there were dozens uh, of more junior people who resigned. If it was left to me I would, I would offer them all their jobs back and say can you carry on for this uh, caretaker period and I'm sure most of them would do that because obviously the, the business of government needs to go on, you can't have huge gaps Uh, in ministers. They need to be there to take day-to-day decisions. But I think most of them would do that because it's it's in the wider interests of the country.
1: Damien, who should lead the Conservative Party in the country going forward and who will? Different questions.
8: (laughs) <laughs> who should? I, I would be voting for Tom Tugendhat, who's Chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. Uh, he's a fresh face, he's, he's not been in Boris Johnson's government, uh, and he's absolutely determined to restore trust in politics in this country, which is clearly a big task for the next Prime Minister. Uh, so the answer to the second half of your question of who will is, I, you know, I hope Tom. Um, but uh, all experience tells us that uh, Conservative leadership campaigns are unpredictable I mean Tom is not the favorite himself uh, which uh, gives me some uh, some hope really because the favorite very seldom mm. wins these elections but uh, it will be a, it will be a, an interesting process so uh, yeah, I'm afraid predictions are really difficult at this stage
1: is the time for personality politics in the United Kingdom over Damien?
8: I think the the time for politics entirely based on personality uh, has, has sort of had its day and, and normally people will react the other way but I think um, you can see you know, any, any political leader needs to have enough personality to engage with a wide swathe of the population and in particular people who aren't interested in politics and, and of course that was Boris's great skill that uh, like everyone he was, a, he was a mixture of strengths and weaknesses his great strength was his ability to communicate with people who were not traditionally interested in politics and indeed not traditionally conservative either. So you know, any leader needs to have, have a bit of personality.
1: Can the Conservatives win the next election? After what's happened and what's still yes, to be done I in the economy? That,
8: yes, absolutely I think that. It's, I mean I was, I was sort of around uh, the age of politics in the mid-90s when uh, it was perfectly clear to all of us that the 97 election, which Tony Blair won by a landslide, uh, was going to go that way. The, the, the current politics is not at all like that. Labour has a fairly small lead uh, in the opinion polls. Keir Starmer is a pretty uninspiring leader. We've been talking about personality politics. Keir, who's is a nice man, but he's not, you know, not quite much of a personality, he doesn't engage people. So absolutely, I think the, the next election is, is up for grabs. Mm,
1: that's why I asked. <laughs> Sir great to have you on. Thank you so much. Okay, still to come. Johnson says he's staying on as caretaker prime minister, but will his own party let him, as we were just discussing? We'll discuss with geopolitical strategist Tina Fordham right after this. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I want to show you what we're seeing in UK financial markets at this moment. Uh, The British pound gaining against the US dollar after falling to more than two year lows against the U.S. dollar earlier this week. The U.K. stock market, too, rising currently up, as you can see, by 1.4%. The FTSE has been on one of the more resilient global stock markets this year. It's down by just 2.5% since January. U.K. investors have been laser-focused on the Bank of England's efforts to contain inflation. The U.K. central bank has raised rates at five consecutive meetings and says it will continue to tighten policy until inflation falls to its 2% target rate. There is plenty we could say about that but for now let's bring in Tina Fordham, geopolitical strategist and founder of Fordham Global Insight. Tina, fantastic to have you on the show. For me all of these things are tied. Earlier on the show I was just talking about the prospect of at best a five to six week period of choosing the next Conservative Party leader. That is a really long time when you look at the economic challenges, a potential summer of discontent that the UK faces. They need continuity and they need it now.
9: Well, I mean, arguably, we haven't had particularly um, uh, strong political leadership during this period. Uh, What you just described about the market reaction here in the city of London tells us uh, a little something about um, what is actually hoped for, which is that uh, the next leader who replaces Boris Johnson, uh, might be uh, a little bit more open to a, a reset with Europe and more more positive relations. Um we have to face the fact Brexit isn't going well. You mentioned the summer of of discontent, uh, inflation brings strikes. The winter is looking pretty tough too. So I'm not sure that um that the city feels that there are big concerns about a power vacuum.
1: No. Almost uh, 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 anything's better than this. And the current stalemate situation, perhaps, too. Um, do you anticipate yep. Boris Johnson remaining in number 10 until a new leader is found? And, and who do you anticipate being the next leader?
9: Well, he clearly anticipates uh, sticking around. And, you know, the way that Boris Johnson is assessing the situation is that the summer recess will begin in a few weeks' time. And ideally, in his mind, he'll be able to write it out until the Conservative Party conference. Now, one, um, I think, one factor behind his desire to, you know, to, to, to stay in number 10 is he doesn't want to go down in history as a prime minister who stayed in office even uh, for an even shorter period than his predecessor, Theresa May. So that will be in his, in his mind as well. He's a historian and he's, you know, he's written about great prime ministers like Churchill, uh, and now he has the indignity, some would say self-inflicted, of um, being described by some as the worst prime minister in, in British history. So sticking around and bucking convention would be consistent with Boris's brand, but people you had on the on the program earlier mainly from his, his fellow Conservatives, um, are concerned about him dragging them down. So I think it won't be in the party's interest. Uh, and you know, he hasn't broken any rules yet. Uh, this is something that I think is um, not being sufficiently appreciated uh, about what's happening here in the UK compared to, just for example, Washington. The Houses of Parliament are not on fire.
1: Yes. I mean, perhaps other rules have been broken, but not this particular one, to your point. And it's actually fascinating to hear you describing a prime minister that was given the strongest mandate since, what, 1987, now comparing his term to wanting to do better than former Prime Minister Theresa May, which says something about this. But the challenges for whoever takes over are vast.
9: Well, and that's what worries me more as a as a political strategist. You know, mainly advising uh, investors and and corporates. Um, people look at what's happening in the UK, and you know that uh, the term "clown fall" has been trending on on Twitter. Um, nobody wants a, a prime minister who's considered a global joke, uh, and so you know, with with that in mind, uh, even someone dull uh, may help to steady the ship. But it is a bit of a poison chalice. We still have the you know, the hangover from the pandemic. Um, We've got strikes this summer and, you know, anticipation of chaos and winter is going to be tough, I'd argue for for all of the G7 leaders. It's a a very unwelcome combination of political and economic headwinds, uh, which doesn't lend itself to personality politics or populism for that matter.
1: I mean That's part of the challenge too. You think, and you said your money's on Ben Wallace, current defence minister. Obviously, very connected with what we've seen in terms of the UK's response in in Ukraine. Tina, very quickly, why is he the right man to lead, or at least why will he be? Is your pick to lead?
9: Well, so so my job, you know, I'm I'm nonpartisan. Um, I think he is the most likely replacement. Um, lots of non UK observers uh, have not heard of Ben Wallace. He's been uh, in the job for quite a while, Defence Secretary, well respected. And I think what's really crucial here is that the, his fellow members of the Conservative Party, the Parliamentary Party, uh, rate him very highly. Former Chancellor Rishi Sunak has been tainted by various allegations. Uh, we had a bit of a, a parade of, of um, you know, fairly, uh, fairly unconvincing uh, personalities coming through number 10 in the last couple of days. I'm not sure any of them are going to inspire confidence, and um, they're all somehow more closely associated with this prime minister.
1: Yes. And speaking of uh, coming through the door of number 10, where it's exactly what we're seeing, cars arriving and uh, people arriving, entering that door at number 10 there. And I will just qualify, (laughs) Tina, again, on your behalf. I didn't mean your personal pick for leader, just your choice of who will lead the party in terms of who you believe will be chosen. Um, My apologies for um, suggesting it was your choice rather than your view. Uh, Tina, great to chat to you. Thank you. Tina Fordham, geopolitical strategist and founder of Fordham Global Foresight. Thank you for that. Coming up, a look at how a divided UK can move forward from the Boris Johnson years, the challenges facing the next Prime Minister in bringing the country together. We're back after this. Welcome back to our breaking news coverage of the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Johnson announcing just a few hours ago that he's stepping down as head of the Conservative Party and that he will stay on as Prime Minister in a caretaker capacity until his party can agree on a successor, a move that could take months, perhaps until October. Boris Johnson was never far from controversy during his almost three-year tenure as Prime Minister. He was appointed PM on July 24, 2019, after the resignation of Theresa May on the promise to, quote, get Brexit done. Johnson dissolved Parliament, called a general election for December 2019 amid the fierce battle over the terms of the UK's exit from the European Union. He won an 80-seat majority in Parliament, which passed his Brexit deal the following January. Johnson then led the UK government during the COVID pandemic and was himself hospitalised with the disease in April of 2020. His political position was weakened considerably by the Partygate scandal, in which government officials were alleged to have attended gatherings in late 2020 in violation of COVID-19 lockdown rules. He narrowly won a no-confidence vote last month then the last straw came last week after the resignation of Deputy Chief Whip Chris Pincher amid a sexual misconduct scandal. Johnson admitted that he'd been told of previous allegations against Pincher, but that he had later forgotten about them. And Nina Dos Santos joins me now. A, a loud and lively leadership run, I said, would suggest if not long-lived.
10: No, certainly not long-lived, but obviously it isn't over, as we know. That's the next chapter of Johnson's saga, even though he said he's going to resign. The big question is, when does he actually step out of the door? Um, But if you look at the legacy, it really has been one scandal after the next. For those of us who are from London and have had him as our mayor, or journalists like me who've uh, followed his election battles to become mayor of London, we always knew it was going to be a very entertaining ride uh, with Boris Johnson at the helm not of the city, but at this time of the whole of the country. But I think few people could have believed that it would have ended in this way when uh, they covered, like I did, the general election back in 2019. And he delivered that thumping majority of 80 seats, the best turnout since the heydays of Margaret Thatcher. And he also flipped a number of those bedrock Labour blue collar seats as well. The fear now is that with somebody like Boris Johnson at the helm, the Conservative Party could kiss goodbye to those type of seats. So that is why we're seeing damage limitation exercises. When it comes to his legacy, let's have a look at that. Obviously, there have been endless crises in social care. He's alienated a lot of the conservative base by raising taxes to pay ostensibly for things like the NHS, uh, which has obviously been buffeted by extra spending to deal with the Covid pandemic. So raising taxes, if you're a conservative prime minister, isn't a good look. Um, He clashed with his finance minister over that. And then we'll see how that pans out with his new finance minister, Nadim Zahawi, in the next couple of days. Uh, There's going to be a big push for trying to repeal some of those tax rises, push through tax cuts. But the question is according to the government's own financial watchdog they say beware of doing that the country at this time can't afford it and when it comes to spending boris johnson's government has already been seen as a very profligate of overspending there's real concerns about the financial stewardship of this country's economy at a time when it is heading towards a recession potentially towards the end of the year that's his legacy julia Yes, as he said,
1: things are dark now, but our future is golden. The question is, what future? We shall see. Nina dos Santos, thank you for that. And that's it for me for now. But stay with CNN as Issa Suarez picks up our continuing coverage of Boris Johnson's resignation as the British Prime Minister. Stay with
0: CNN. Mm -hmm.